What up, everybody? This is Chef Jack Harris of the uh, Talk Team Podcast. This is Jade with the Jessica Northrup team from Denver, Colorado, and you are listening to the Real Talk Podcast. Good morning. Hello. Welcome to the Real Talk Podcast. Today, I am joined by Carla Thomas and Sophia, Sophia Budiato. Did I say it right? Yep. Uh, Carla is originally from Birmingham, UK. Uh, so hard. Birmingham, UK. Yes. And she works at Compass as a recruiter and now is, is on the, the new ventures team, the special man. I, I like to call it the special ops team. It's, everything is so secretive. The special ops team. And Sophia is originally born in Indonesia, grew up in Singapore, and works at Compass as also a one of the special ops teams, <laughs> or the New Ventures team. So thank you for joining us. I'm also joined with Danielle Stout. Hello. <laughs> I think we'll just start with my, my curiosity towards why you joined Compass, each of you, how you, found, how you found Compass, and what you were doing prior to. Cool. So prior to Compass and prior to moving to New York at the start of 2018, um, I was based in Brisbane, Australia, so I worked for a company called Megaport, pre-IPO. They were essentially a SaaS platform, um, and we had built proprietary software um, that allowed our customers to connect to the cloud and share data globally without actually having to have any... um, physical network, so we built this um, virtual Ethernet uh, cloud system where you could share data globally, store data, data and connect to the cloud. So I was their global talent manager, so I scaled the company by 40% in nine months globally, so 50% of our workforce was based in Australia where HQ was, um, and then the rest of the team was globally distributed across uh, the US and Europe. So I built an uh, engineering team in Berlin. Um, and then I also spent a lot of time in San Fran with our team there, um, building their team. One of the big learnings from working at Megaport was being a global company and headquartered in Brisbane, which is a very unique place, and how Australians run their businesses is very different to um, how... Americans. Exactly. And also the benefits and the healthcare and how how we pay employees. So Australians get like six months vacation and... I know, it's very cruisy. Like, they're extremely cruisy, definitely... Um, a culture of like so drinking beers at lunch, you know, you definitely don't finish after 5 p.m. Um, it's very a relaxed way of working. Do so, you like that culture? I love that culture. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? But at the same time, I, I was managing a team, a global team, so there was never really an off point for me, um, which wasn't scalable or attainable. And my team, it was just myself and the global HR director. Um, So the biggest uh, takeaway from that role was um, managing the culture when you're working across multiple countries. So the European culture was also very different. So trying to create like and foster a unified culture in a company that operated across many countries, but our workforce was actually relatively small. Um, So trying to create a global culture whilst 
actually allowing the teams to be authentic to the locations they were in. Right. For example, um, you know, the salaries were significantly higher for our US-based employees than they were in Australia. So right. trying to create like pricing and salary transparency and honesty whilst having to like maintain um, country standards. So that was a big learning curve. Um, and how, how did the recruiter recruit the recruiter to join to get you to join Compass? Um, so, <laughs> or was there another recruiter involved? So when I moved to New York in the start of 2018, I oh you moved to New York first. I moved to New York first. I was consulting. <laughs> I had a lot of clients back in Australia that engaged me on unique like hiring kind of like um, searches for niche roles so I was working on a lot of things still in Australia Um, I was building up my own network in New York and six months into being here I was like I actually feel like I need to join a team like I'm into that interaction Um, and I wasn't looking to build my own company that wasn't like in my interest so I started to interview I interviewed with like maybe five different tech startups Um, none of them of interest after I kind of got to like the final round interviews one company however I I did accept an offer so I was met I would have been managing their mobile divisions um, team building out that function for the company Um, I accepted the offer after doing a presentation I took my team new team out to lunch and then after that, something just didn't feel right. Oh, boy. And my, I was at a point where I had to, like, make a decision because my visa was about to expire. I had, like, a week. And I was like, let me just look one time online. And I went back through my, like, LinkedIn inbox and somebody had reached out to me from Compass. And within a week, I'd retracted my other acceptance. And I was back in London interviewing via video for my role at Compass. And, um, yeah, this was August 2018. And then, yeah, I got the offer accepted, accepted. and that was that. Moved back to Manhattan and the rest is... And yeah. Like back and forth for... Uh-huh. So, yeah. <laughs> so I spent six weeks in London while my visa got approved yeah. and then came back in September of 2018. I joined the expansion recruiting team. Yep. So I was um, tasked with leading recruitment for legal, IT, um, finance, and new development. Sure. I had a team of six at the time. Um... And then at the end of 2018, expansion, I guess the strategy for Compass was to dig deeper into existing markets versus um, going into new markets. We could reach the same revenue Mm -hmm. potential without actually having to expand into markets that... I don't know what the right word would be, so could probably <laughs> chime in there. Um, so that's when I transitioned over to Tampa Teams, leading the East Coast. So this role um, heavily interfaced with the Asian population. So prior to only being working across um, internal business roles. Um, and then talent the teams would focus on working with our Asian population to build their teams. So we were hiring the majority of the world. Talent for teams. TLT. TFT. There's TTC, T40. There was many different variations. There was an acronym. Nolan did a presentation in DC Yeah, there was a lot of ways that people wrote TTC games. Did you find it to be pretty successful? Yeah, so when I joined the team, 
there was no, they hadn't really built at the operations. We had no like brand marketing, performance marketing. So I was tasked with like 80% business development, 10% like building out the brand, and then the rest was like managing the team. So I spent a lot of time with our agent teams on the East Coast, really getting um, to understand their business goals, their hiring goals. How having a director of ops could impact their business. Mm. How, yeah. you know, like how does a principal um, start to think about hiring for the future and building out a team and um, where to hire junior agents? You know, should they focus on inside sales? Like working with them to really understand their yeah. business model and goals. Um, so that was awesome. That was it's a challenging position to fill because it's such a niche market. For, yeah. Especially for like. People want to say, oh, I want to be a broker, but wait, I want to be a admin for a broker, or is it a COO for a broker? Exactly. It's and not really defined. Yeah, and so you, you have like, you have individuals when they there's one of two things. They either are a good assistant because they would love to kind of get exposure to the brokerage side and then get licensed and become a principal agent, or you have um, candidates that are really operationally focused, they stay on the back end and they really just like manage the business and drive the team to success but without being involved in like the business development sales yeah. aspect. So that was really interesting. And then after spending five months on talent for teams, um, we decided to scale back the program to focus on um, initiatives that fuel the flywheel um, and concierge being the biggest um, yeah, driver for Compass at present. So, that is how New Ventures was formed. We're going to talk about that in a second, but before yeah. we do that, let's talk about Sophia and yeah. where her journey, her sure. journey through life. Um, okay, so I, prior to Compass, I actually worked at Uber for four years. Um, started in the New York ops team in 2014 when Uber was just launching, so that was a, a, a very fun journey. Um, started in ops, then moved to San Francisco, did two years working on various product teams at Uber and then moved into business development, started working on the Uber for Business product, moved back to New York because I miss New York so much, worked on Uber for Business in New York, and then um, got approached by a recruiter, because um, actually I got approached by Peter Jonas, Peter Jonas and I worked on um, worked at Uber together, um, and he said, hey, there's this really cool team that you know, I was doing cool stuff, M&A at Compass, are you interested? And so I'd been at Uber for four years at that point, so I was like, all right, let's give this a shot. Um, had a few conversations and, you know, Compass was, I mean, is kind of the same sort of rocket ship that Uber was. And I think the best years that I had at Uber were the very beginning when we were building and things were absolutely insane and we were changing direction every day, but it was like so exhilarating. So I was kind of ready to go back to that again. Um, so so yeah, so I said yes last year. Joined in September, so I literally just hit my one year. Um, and, yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, and Carla also is, is about to hit her one year. Mm-hmm. One year in a month. Yeah, one year in a month, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, joined the M&A team. And first, first uh, 
I guess, first acquisition that I worked on was Pacific Union, which was the 1,700 agents in the Bay Area. So basically lived in San Francisco again for a few months. Um, and then the next one that we did, we did a few small ones in between, but the one that I got to own was Alain Pinel, which was 1,200 agents again in the Bay Area. So I basically left San Francisco and then moved back to San Francisco to the Compass. Um, but yeah, those acquisitions went really well. They added 30% of our like. How do you make an offer to uh, Alain Pinel? Alain Pinel, yeah. So, so we have different deal structures. I'm not on the deal side. I'm on the integration side. But, and so you should talk to Sam Lynch or Lynch or one of them uh, about the deal side of it. But um, essentially there are two different types of deals that we do. APAs, which are asset purchase agreements, or SPAs, which are stock purchase agreements. Um, and it, that speaks to whether we fully integrate a company. In other words, we absorb the company and they become a part of Compass from day one. Or with APR and Alain Pinel and Pacific Union, also Paragon was another one. Um, they, those are SPAs where we effectively let them run their operations as if they are still a standalone company, but we try to integrate them as much as possible. But they're still kind of operating as their own entity. Um, and the reason why we might do something like that is because those, I mean, Alain Pinel and also Pacific Union are massive, massive Huge. companies with a lot of agents. and. Um, fully integrating an agent workforce like that overnight is a huge operational like hurdle, but it's also pretty disruptive to agents' business. So we want to make sure that when we do these acquisitions that we're being sensitive to the fact that agents are super busy, um, they may not have time to rebrand entirely overnight, and we have to like really walk them through that, that process and handle them and, and make sure that they're getting you know, the, the right support that they need. Um, how did you know so, that yeah. those were the right acquisitions? Revenue? It, we Culture? evaluate a lot of things. I would say EBITDA is like the number one thing we're looking at. In other words, like the profitability of the brokerage in the first place. Um, culture is a huge one. We want to make sure that we are like, you know, bringing in agents that are aligned with our culture. We have a very strong culture at Compass and, um, you know, we don't want to bring in any bad apples. Yeah. Um, and I think the other thing is we, we used M&A, especially in 2018, as an uh, expansion like strategy, basically. Whether it be you know, the Bay Area, which is now one of our biggest markets, and obviously a very, very important market, Alampanel and Pacific Union are both there. That was a strategic decision because sure. we decided to double down in the Bay Area and really grow our Which explains there. our 80% market share. Like yeah, exactly, stuff. which is so impressive. But um, that was very deliberate. So, um, so yeah, so those are, those are examples of expansion within an existing region. But then we do do M&A in order to expand into new regions or sub-regions. So for example, we did two smaller deals recently in the Central Coast, um, which is between San Francisco and LA, so San Luis Obispo and, and um, that area. And we didn't really operate there prior to these deals, and now we have a presence, and we've got you know two great acquisitions there that have sort of helped to jumpstart that. Yeah. yeah. And then just a couple months ago, I moved into new ventures. Speaking of new ventures, happening right now with new ventures and concierge. So we're doing two things. Yep. So we launched a Compass Concierge project management pilot yesterday. So we kicked things off. So that's why we've been super busy sure. preparing for launch. So what the that means for the new ventures team is. Um, 
We have been identifying bottlenecks in the concierge process when we're thinking about how we can actually scale the program beyond what it is today um, and ultimately have identified that one of the most tedious and time-consuming things um, for an agent when pitching concierge, winning listings, is partnering with vendors and specifically managing um, one project or multiple projects. I totally understand. Tackle your uh, 150 transactions a year. Yes, exactly. Yes, so um, building this preferred vendor project management function and being able to provide all agents with access to highly vetted compass approved um, vendors, specifically project managers, um, has many benefits to both the agent and to their clients, the seller. Um, What are some of the tedious things that brokers go through? Yeah, so. In terms of like the actual concierge application piece itself, like the actual admin and back-end operations to actually get the application together, submitted and approved is very time-consuming. So having an internal uh, point person that can help assist with that application piece will be super helpful and create um, more efficiencies internally. And then the project managers, um, they already have existing vendor relationships and we're also um, in tandem with building the pilot and launching the pilot, we're building out a preferred vendor um, network of Compass preferred vetted vendors. And what that means is they've been approved um, and referred by at least three Compass agents, um, which we found from all of our research. They gotta be vetted by us. And agents just 100% see the value. We know their work style, we've seen their renovations, we know they're timely or tardy. Yeah, exactly. And we're holding them to these rigorous um, service level agreements being customer service, our responsiveness, professionalism. That might be harder. I feel like it's like from a GC standpoint, like don't tell me how to run my business. Mm-hmm. So actually, you would think of that as a reaction, but everyone we've talked to has been very on board with it. In oh, fact, good. to the point where we put those in the agreement. Yeah. So it's contractually obligated on their part to provide service at the like according to what we've outlined, uh-huh. which is really I think compelling because a lot of like we did an interview with you, Tac. We did interviews with other oh, agents yeah. too. The one thing that we heard over and over again is vendors who are responsive and communicative, professional and timely are the vendors that you guys want to work with. Mm -hmm. Vendors who are not like that, yes, and affordable. Vendors who are not like that make your lives significantly more challenging um, and that's what we're trying to do, hold them to those standards. Uh The future of this program taking, do you see it, 90% of the agents eventually just being able to adapt to concierge program and doubling their listings or what what's the direction and yeah. the whole goal and objective of I think this? I think the goal is really to um, fuel the flywheel, right? And so concierge is a very important uh, part of the flywheel. And so what we're hoping is by providing services like project management, by providing like a preferred vendor network, making that entire process easier. We're going to create more opportunities for like agents to pitch concierge and to take on more concierge work. Yeah. So that if you need to and you want to and your client wants to, you don't have to say, I don't have the capacity to manage this right now. What's the cost on the consumer end or the agent end? Um, yeah. Just out of curiosity, it seems like it is a lot of work. It can't be done for free or can it? 
No, so the project management service is a service that comes with a cost, right? Um, the idea is that it is we make it valuable enough that it's worth it for the agent and the client to absorb that cost in the campus concierge, like, you know, payments. So in other words, like, pay for the service. Mm -hmm. um, we know that that's not going to... It's not going to bode well for brokers that have one or two projects. If they have 15 concierge projects, we get it. Yeah. It's a lot. No, no one's going to be able to handle all of that. Yeah, exactly. But, there might, are, but there are some brokers as well, though, who have zero interest in project managing any of the vendor sure. work, regardless of whether it's like, like, like high season and they've got tons going on or not. It depends on um, how busy their team is and exactly. how busy their business is. It, it also depends, depends on how much on money they have. And it also depends on like what the client expects of them because clients are different. Um, so I, I don't think that this is necessarily a service that every agent will use all the time, but we're hoping that um, it's there when you actually need it. Yeah. Um, the aim is we're trying to go beyond, beyond the transaction, right? Yeah. So um, constantly building services that our agents just can't live without, right? So um, the, the For example? For example, concierge. Right. Yeah. We're we're so used to concierge now, we can't live with it. Uh -huh. Every pitch, every pitch I go to, it's like, how can I utilize concierge to make this sale better? Are you pitching concierge in every? Pretty much every listing, yeah. 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 And we've got some interesting approvals, like one guy. I mean, we never got the listing because the previous broker actually ended up selling it, but. Compass approved the uh, tax payments. Oh, the guy was going through cancer treatment. He oh, didn't wow. have a lot of, you know, $40,000 of medical bills coming in. He was an older guy, didn't have the money to carry the apartment anymore. He had a mortgage. It's like, well, it's like, we could pay for the carrying costs, the tax and the common charges. And that was something that would have helped him out for six months. You know, if it, if it took about four, five, six months to sell. Wow. Yeah, yeah, so those are some interesting things. Um, yeah. Interesting. yeah, and I had a few interesting conversations yesterday, one being with an agent who um, was working with a seller. The seller has an exclusive, um, exclusive listing with another brokerage, um, and the, the, yeah, the house has been on the market for 12 months, and now that agent will know when that exclusivity uh, period will end and go in and pitch concierge and ultimately win the listing. Yeah. 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 It's a good way. Not the end of be all, but it's definitely... A, a, a significant it's a tool. tool. It's a significant tool, tool yeah. to value add to clients. Yeah. That's what brokers all care about. Mm -hmm. They care about the clients. How can we add value yeah. to exactly. so that we can keep their loyalty and we can get their business? Yeah, 100%. And continuing to build on these like customer-centric initiatives. So for us, you are the customer and your clients are your customers. Like, How can we consistently build things that make your lives easier? Um, how can we drive concierge adoption sure. and create like world-class experience for both you and your clients? Yeah. Yeah. What, you do a lot of concierge work for me now. What, what's the? What, do you have any thoughts or opinions about the process as of today? I think that it's. it's I can see from because we started it at the beginning. I think we were like project was twenty eight or something really early yeah. on for the first one we did. So I can see how it's evolved over the 
the whole time period of it being in existence. Like mm-hmm. yeah. things that I have to do today are different. They've been yeah. changing documents, the requirements, it's definitely become more streamlined. I've seen it get better and improve, yeah. and it's nice that it's become more consistent. It's very helpful for our end, and it's nice to see that we're also rolling out the, uh, the project where people assist yes. and can take over the entire process yes. for you do because. I know right now I'm like, juggling five Compass Concierge projects. It's yeah. kind of hard for me to even keep it all straight. Yeah, I can we have see like, we have like it's like a yeah. complete value add if someone can do it all for you yeah. because it's like it's not really a fun task, but mm-hmm. um, it's easier when you know what you're doing and you've done it a couple of times. So definitely I'm excited to see all this come to yeah, the, these GCs aren't like the most timely when it comes to sending in an invoice no. or signing a DocuSign or revising an estimate or clarifying a line yeah. item. Because you're the, to chase that up. Like I'm the middleman in between yeah. the the vendor, the contractor, and the client, and the Compass Concierge <laughs> people, and I'm just trying to juggle yeah. it all at the same time, try to get it done as soon as possible. So yeah, it's always a good time crunch because everything we do is quick. We want to get like the apartment stained. We want to get it renovated like ASAP. We're gonna wrap up. Do you guys have any? Do you guys want to say a minute or two of ten minutes to wrap up? Uh, or a minute each. Well, thank you for having us. First and foremost, I know it, it took a couple attempts to get us here. Oh, good. You guys, we made it. Yeah. We're we're brokers. We're all about the chase. Yeah, we're all about the chase. I love it. <laughs> this is true. This is yeah. true. Uh, but no, it's great to see that you, in addition to what you do best, you love the podcast initiative. Oh, yes. You are everywhere. I honestly don't know how you do it. Like, you're an inspiration. <laughs> You'll see more and more brokers be like what we're doing. Yeah. We're going to be media companies. The future is... 100%. Yeah. You're an entrepreneur. Like, you're Features not focused media. on... Yeah. yeah, that's correct. Exactly. All right, we're going to get the car, so... Yeah. We're going to finish up here. Thank you so much for awesome. your time. Thanks.